0: This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship.
1: Well, welcome back to Worship God, a podcast of the TGC. Uh, My name is Rob Brockman. I'm the associate pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Aurelia. And today I'm joined by Jody Cross, who is the lead pastor at South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario. And today we are again joined by Dr. Johnny Markin, who is the worship director at Cloverdale Baptist Church in Surrey, BC, and the director of the Worship Leader Institute. Guys, thank you so much for being here again. It's great, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Well, as we are recording this podcast, um, we are entering into the Advent season. Uh, we're in 2021 here, and we're gearing up for Christmas. And Christmas, in a lot of uh, traditions historically, is often a hectic time in the church. Mm-hmm. It can be, at least. Um, there are, you know, Christmas events, carol sings, there's Christmas Eve services. And oftentimes, uh, many of these services can actually be fairly big productions. I I know for me um, and I don't know if this same is true for you guys, but for many years, kind of early in in ministry, um, you know, the Christmas season almost brewed feelings of anxiety (laughs) and I'd start stressing in September, kind of being like, oh man, Christmas is coming. You know, what cool thing are we going to do this year and how are we going to top last year? And, and I would be prepping in like the summer. I'd be listening to like versions of carols and you know my on my august holidays (laughs) just kind of thinking about christmas Um, and in our episode today we thought it would be good to talk maybe a bit about some talk about christmas talk about preparing for christmas as a church and maybe some of the potential pitfalls and dangers that we can fall into as a church as we plan our services and as we think about celebrating christmas and and we want to just in this episode offer some kind of principles for christ-centered christmases in our churches across canada and as pastors and as worship leaders and as worship pastors we just want to kind of stop for a second in this episode and just maybe reevaluate and rethink um, how we think about christmas and in our services christmas services so but first of all guys i was just curious Tell me a bit about your own personal traditions when it comes to Christmas. Johnny, I'll start with you. What did your what does your holiday season maybe look like historically and as a family and in the churches you've been in?
2: Yeah, um, well for many of the Christmases that we did here when we were been in Abbotsford in the last 20 or odd years, it was it was a very family-based Christmas Eve where the, the family often served at the church doing various things by the time the kids were old enough; they were actually in the worship team with me, and that was a joy. And my wife would organize a whole bunch of uh, food for all Mm. of the people serving, and it became a yearly festival where we just joined with the greater family of God. I would often tell the kids, "Hey, this church is this is our family too. It's not about our nuclear family all the time." And so we we began to make it a day of a wonderful service and worship uh, with the body of Christ. Uh, and then Christmas Day is more of a family day with us, and so we enjoy a lot of the feasting and a lot of the, the joy and laughter, and, a, and actually a little bit of rest, too. But mm. uh, I didn't grow up in the church, so it was a real uh, revelation when I came to faith and began to celebrate. In fact, it was on a Christmas Eve many, many moons ago that I gave my life to Christ, mm. and mm. that it, it holds a lot of special sentimentality for me that way.
1: Jody, what about you?
0: I would have loved to have come to faith on December twenty fourth. <laughs> that would have been great. Mine's in August, <laughs> so I look at the nice sunshine. That's good. Well, uh, for us, for sure, being you know in in ministry for thirty three years, December, like you said, has been busy. And uh, I think pretty much every year up till this year, it's been December twenty fourth go time, with uh, you know one or two services. I guess last year three because of limitations. But uh, recently, we, we decorated a house. We did that early. And I was given the task of uh, putting up the nativity scene. And that was that was pretty fun, actually. Uh, I was, you know, placing all the, the animals. I'm sure there was maybe some sheep or something there. Um, our nativity scene came with three wise men. We know that's kind of not too kosher. But anyway, <laughs> I placed them all there. And the one thing I, I did for sure was make sure everybody was facing the baby. And so I was just struck again by that. So this year, the church that I'm serving at, we have a tradition of doing the Christmas Eve service a day before on the 23rd. That was something that uh, they did before I got here, which then leaves the 24th open for us to go to a different church or just to Mm. stay home. But this year, we're going to be putting on three Christmas Eve Eve services. And um, we're going to involve singing and uh, some children's part and some gospel message and inviting, hopefully, uh, lots of people from our community as our, our congregation invites their friends. At home, uh, Christmas Eve, it's opening a present. Christmas morning, we read the Christmas story. Uh, our kids are a little bit older, so when everybody kind of wakes up around nine thirty or 10, we, we all gather in the living room, and we read mm. the Christmas story, and then open our gifts and pray together, mm. and have a big brunch. And then uh, usually there's some family that's visiting uh, from someplace. So that's kind of what we do.
1: Mm. Yeah, for me, like I said, mentioned, like historically, Christmas and being in ministry was kind of a very stressful time long hours I would always end up getting sick after mm-hmm. Christmas and so that kind of week after Christmas I would just I would get the big cold and I'd be out for the count for about a week um but for the past few years actually um we've scaled things back and we kind of and like we're going to talk about in this episode kind of had a bit of more of a healthier kind of perspective on the Christmas season as a church and so it didn't, it wasn't like a stressful time anymore. And, and so that was nice for, for me and my wife, you know, Christmas Eve after services, you know, we're with the church, we're worshiping Jesus and we're praising and singing songs. And it's great. Come home and we'll do a little, like a wine and cheese thing together and just kind of spend the night together. And then typically, historically, all of our family lives away. So my family lives in Kingston sienna's family lives in montreal so it'd be you know 6 a.m on the 25th Mm. we'd get up get in the car and start driving through the snow and make our way you know to our families and then stop off in kingston see my family then a few days and then go to go to uh montreal so a lot of traveling a lot of family and uh you know the majority of our families are christian so there's just a lot of good kind of time just to reflect and talk about Jesus and stuff. So yeah, that's kind of historically our, our kind of pattern. Now, when we talk about a Christmas caution and cautioning us about how we plan our services it might come across like we're a bunch of Scrooges and we don't love Jesus or Christmas. (laughs) And so I just want to start off by, by, by saying um, that that's not the case. Guys, why is it important? Why is it critical? Why is it a benefit that we do celebrate Christmas? What do you think? What are some reasons why it is important for us to celebrate Christmas?
0: You know, there's a, that phrase, the, um, familiarity, familiarity breeds contempt. And uh, we get so used to this story that we, we think it's a story. Paul Tripp wrote this in, in a book uh, called, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, a devotional that he did. He said, sadly, many of us aren't gripped by the stunning, magnificent events and truths of the birth of Jesus anymore. Mm. And, you know, I think most of us are doing okay at the transcendence of God, His bigness, His awesome power, but we forget His imminence, His nearness. And so when we celebrate Christmas and the Advent season, uh, we're just reminded of the, as uh, Tripp says, the stunning magnificence of Philippians 2, what it Mm. meant for Christ to to become a, a human being. And uh, to be clothed in flesh, Christmas is a, just a, such an important thing to remind our people, our own hearts, that God is with us. He's for us. He's Emmanuel. And we need it as leaders. Our people need to be reminded of that all the time. And the thing that I realize both about Christmas and Easter, it's almost like the event happens for a day. And I think we may have talked about this on another podcast about Easter. But it, it's the thing for the day. And then a couple of days later, you know, Christmas is over and the incarnation is, is sort of shelved until you know next uh, next year 11 months later and so uh, it's just a good reminder that christ is for us he's with us and that um the gospel is um is shown in christ that uh, a dark world is led home through the light that jesus brings and what he's done for us mm.
2: for from my perspective one of the things that uh, uh coming from a non-church background really still grips me is this sense of the story um i I used to think that we had to find clever ways to tell it, and each Christmas had to come up with another way. And then one day my wise wife said, I I really just miss hearing the story. And and it, it struck me that many of us do take it for granted. We tend to maybe segment the story of Christmas into a little Sunday school event that we do, and it's children and it's shepherds and little things like that. But the magnificence of the, of the story of God breaking into history in human form really is it's one of the great pinnacles, turning points of history. Mm-hmm. And just to tell that, in this generation, in a culture that is really becoming quite uh, Christian illiterate or biblically illiterate, uh, for them, you'll always hear about uh, on a Hallmark movie. Ah, yeah, the meaning of Christmas is, mm. and and of course, we Christians are going. Yes, but come on, it's it's named after Jesus. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so we 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 don't want to just leave that in the open. The more that we can gather to celebrate. Jesus' birth as a community of believers, we make a statement to the world that there is this magnificent love available for us, and we need to hear this story. More than that, I think what's really beautiful is when we can worship by telling that story. We immerse ourselves in that story, and we retrain our brain. We we relearn, once again, the things that we forget. Like Jody mentioned, we take it for granted, this this sense of God's imminence. But to be reminded every December 24th, 25th, that God is with us, that God chose to become incarnate. Wow, that is quite something I think our generation needs to hear. God cares about us.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, and you mentioned stories like so much of the jewish faith was built Mm. off of the retelling of stories and so much of what we do when we gather is a gospel retelling right when we come together we're we're rehearsing the gospel story and so again coming and rehearsing these things are key and and even just this idea of you know what advent is advent is not just simply looking at the first coming of christ and his incarnation Mm -hmm. but ultimately as christians it Points us to this second coming, this hope that we have. Oh, we sing, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Well, Emmanuel has come and he will come again. And so that kind of that's a message that we need to be reminded of because that's the gospel hope that mm-hmm. we that we have, that Jesus has come, God is God with us, and he is coming, he's left a spirit with us, so we're not alone. There's great hope in that. And that, hey, everything that's going on in this world has ultimate purpose has an ultimate direction which is the culmination of all things the return of christ and there's such a great hope you know if if you just leave the hope in the christmas story jesus came it's like well Mm -hmm. great but it's like no jesus came and he rose he died he rose again and he's coming again and that's where we find i find such that that's those are the implications of the incarnation that that are beautiful to dwell on during christmas Mm.
2: Yeah, and it's good to connect that story uh, when we can to the Easter story, to mm. the resurrection, the ascension, and the return, so that there is this complete narrative that we can begin to unpack for, for yeah. everybody and be reminded that it's not just about going back and remembering. Oh, it's nice Jesus born in the manger. You know, it's <laughs> just not this little nice little story, but it's yeah. it's actually meaningful and pointing forward. And I think mm. that that is one of those great purposes of Advent. It's pointing forward.
1: Yeah, mm. absolutely. Uh, and you hit on something I think we'll, we'll pick back up again. Um, guys, so then, so we've talked about why it's important to celebrate Christmas. Okay, so we're not Grinches. We're not trying to get rid of Christmas. Yeah. But what are some ways then maybe that we have gotten off the mark when we when we do celebrate christmas um johnny you i saw it on facebook the other day and you had posted this advent devotional i guess for your church Mm -hmm. and you kind of touched on some of the ways in which we kind of miss out or miss the mark when it comes to our christmas celebration our advent celebration maybe just tell our listeners kind of what you wrote in that article and fill us in Yeah, I was
2: kind of concerned that many of us think about Christmas in a nostalgic way. I mean, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we look back at our Christmases and the joys that we have in some ways, maybe the pains we have, too. And remember those who are hurting at Christmas. But for many people who love to celebrate Christmas, they look back at things like a childhood filled with innocence and joy and hope. And then that's what they look to, is recapturing some of those feelings. And that's not wrong. We want to be able to uh, rejoice in good memories. But Christmas and Advent especially is for remembering what it's pointing to, not what it was. So rather than just be nostalgic, the act of worship is remembrance. It's the, in First in Corinthians uh, 11. The word remembrance is anamnesis. And it's an action, an activity you do around the table, the anamnesis, the, the rehearsing, as you put it, Rob, is a beautiful word. It's the action we do from the past, we pull it into the present because it's pointing forward to the great hope of Christ's return. Mm-hmm. And so, so many of the things we do in and around Christians, uh, Christmas that are cultural, the even the decorations we have, we need to stop and think, well, why are we doing this? I mean, is it just because it's pretty? You know, they actually, there's wonderful meaning behind some of those things. If you think about, uh, Martin Luther talked about the evergreen tree and brought it forth. Evergreen is the symbol of eternal life. It's evergreen, ever-flourishing. Ever and we've got the wreaths that we put up. They're circular and they have no beginning and no end like our God. Uh, you can think of the, the colors around Christmas. Gold, the royal color, the king of kings being born. Uh, Red symbolizing the sacrifice for which Christ was born to shed his blood. And then you've got the Advent candles, which many people in their traditions love to light at Christmas. And they symbolize the beautiful light breaking into the darkness, Mm. not only in his first Advent, but the coming light of Christ to rule and reign forever and bring perfect justice and heal us all. Uh, And even the colors of those candles, some just use white, some use the the three tones, the white, the purple, and the pink. And the the purple is a royal color for the King of Kings. It's also the color of fasting and preparation uh, in which we prepare ourselves and have a good look at our lives and remember our aching and our longing uh, for hope to break in. And you've got these weeks of celebration and finally it moves to pink where it lightens up a little bit, where you've got joy beginning to break in. Uh, it's the rise of joy. And finally, the Christ candle is white and it symbolizes his purity, the the one who would come to save his people from their sins, as Matthew mm. puts it.
1: Mm. That's great, you know, to be able to look at these things that maybe we just take for granted. Like, oh, we put up our Christmas tree, we put a wreath up on our door. But what a great opportunity as a family to come around and go, hey, guys, let's, you know, we put this tree up every year. Um, do you know maybe what this represents? Let's mm-hmm. think about this idea of the new life that we have in Christ. The Like, these are great little things that can infuse a little more gospel, yeah. like a little more Jesus into our celebrations. Jody, what are some, maybe some other ways that we've kind of gotten off track when it comes to celebrating Christmas?
0: Yeah, for the leader, uh, I, we've just referred to it already, but this frantic, hectic pace that we sometimes arrive at December 24th and realize we haven't prepared our heart whatsoever. And, um, you know, I think we'll get to that in terms of earlier preparation, but we can be so busy that we, we don't like the season. Mm. We don't like what we're called to lead and we don't like what we're called to lead others in, um, because we're just so frantic and uh, we work ourselves uh, thin. Um, one of the the gifts that I think we can give people as we plan our worship services is space and silence because Mm. they're, they're in the world where everything is busy and crazy mm. and I don't know about you guys where you live, but I think that the streets around my house and in my city they're just jammed. I don't everybody's you know on the roads and uh, you just it takes so long to get to where you're going and people arrive on Sunday they just need some space and some quiet and some reflection and and um, so if we're too busy, we're too noisy, we're gonna miss it. and I think we've already referred to this that Christmas is filled with sentimentality and tradition. And if we're not biblical, it will be it will be a Hallmark Christmas if we're not mm-hmm. careful. And Hallmark is, uh, they found the formula, but we have the formula too. We just want to make sure that our Christmas gatherings and our Christmas worship services are not Hallmark, but they're biblical. Mm. And I think the, the other thing is that if we keep Jesus, baby Jesus in the manger, uh, that's that's doing Christmas a major disservice. Mm. He's, he's not the baby Jesus in a manger anymore. He's the King of Kings at mm. the Father's right hand. Ruling and reigning, and uh, Johnny, you already said this that we we hold the manger and the empty tomb together. We see the continuum of the life of Jesus and the Father's right hand. That this baby was the crucified Messiah who's risen mm. at the Father's right hand, and that's who who we worship. And uh, if we forget that, uh, we've done we've done a disservice.
1: Johnny, you mentioned this word nostalgia, and you mentioned mm-hmm. you know observing a little bit of this. You know, I think a lot of people are really looking at nostalgia that that's kind of what christmas is like what maybe just what how did you observe that like wh- where do you observe that when it comes to how people are celebrating christmas this nostalgia thing cuz i think there's something there
2: i i think part of it comes down to traditions that we tend to celebrate without understanding the traditions and one of the things that uh, in in church life that you see is people always want to go to a Christmas kind of concert or presentation at at a church, and often it's uh, sometimes it's not even about the core story or on the gospel. It's about people at Christmas time. We've tried to tried to retell the story in a parallel way, and sometimes our artistic ways might just actually bring us to the hallmark. Telling mm. of Christmas, you know, rather than actually to the manger and, and, and I'm, I'm concerned that we stop making the main thing the main thing and, and mm. we, we don't need to be too clever. Uh, the, the story we need to hear over and over again and, and I think just trying to do something because it's what you do at Christmas I think we need to infuse the meaning in the symbols. Mm. Whatever we do in worship, you know, symbols are powerful and they help us. They give us anchors. And I think that's why many people who aren't in church, they're the twice a yearers, they actually like to come to a worship service and hear about our hope. We don't have to couch it in terms. We don't have to try and, uh, well, we want to tell you about, oh, let's talk about this. But no, it's Jesus. It's two times a year that we get to really talk about mm. Jesus at That's his right. birth and as his death and his resurrection. And let's not be quiet about it. Let's proclaim it because it's so full of love and hope.
1: Yeah. You know, in our communion, we did an episode on communion and the Lord's table just recently, Johnny. And in that episode, we talked about um, how, you know, there's people are afraid of doing communion every week, potentially, because it'll, be, it'll get rote. And we talked about how the solution to not, that not happening is not making it more fancier and like put communion in the back of the sanctuary and pick it up on your way out. Mm -hmm. It's not like that's not the way to help things not grow kind of stale. Intentionality is leaning in more and being more thoughtful and intentional and drawing out different aspects. That's a way in which we can make things a bit more, relevant to people. And so I think that's the the thing we fall into with Christmas. We think, well, how do we make it flashier? People Mm -hmm. are getting bored. Let's make it flashier. Let's do all the cool things and more fun things. And it's like, but wait a second, that's one strategy. But what about the strategy of leaning in more and being more intentional and more simple and more clear? That's definitely a strategy I think that um, we've picked up in the past few years. Or I have picked up in the past few years and I've seen just great results with that. Just coming a bit more simple with the Christmas, focusing a bit more and that really helps. I think something else you guys have talked about, a danger, a big danger that we kind of hit on is... And it, it happens with Easter too, when we, we focus just on the cross, like Good Friday, we focus on the cross. It's like, leave out all the songs, leave out the fourth verse of In Christ Alone, like really just focus on on the cross and really just focus on leave us like hanging. And with Christmas, it's kind of the same thing. You know, we end with the shepherds and we end with baby Jesus in a manger. And it's like, we're afraid to tell the whole gospel story. Mm. It's like we suspend our Christian faith in a sense, and we think about it just in these piecemeal, and, and I don't necessarily think that that's helpful. I don't necessarily think that staying there in that moment is what we really need to do. These are these are great opportunities for us to kind of lean into, furthermore, into the gospel story, into that kind of biblical narrative and give people hope, and the hope isn't that a baby was born, and that's just the hope the hope is well that baby was the messiah and he lived a perfect life and died for our sins and rose again
0: Hmm. Hmm. guys we're trying to oh sorry jody we're, we're trying to grab onto this moment too because in culture when the windows for us to share our faith are closing christmas probably like no other time of the year is the time that that people are open to talking there's a there's a sentimentality, there's a Hallmark is helping us in this way, you know, they still <laughs> Christmas is still a good word. Thank you Hallmark for at yeah. <laughs> least maintaining the word. Yeah. Thank you Handel for uh, you know what you did in writing Messiah. But we have as believers as people who are on mission and this is what we've been actually doing for the last 12 weeks in our church, we were in a series called The Gospel, know it, love it and share it. And we were encouraging our people in the month of December to take advantages of sharing their testimony, inviting people, because we have this cultural moment where people are still open. And uh, we have to tell the story. If they're coming, they can't just get the baby. They need they need mm. the full gospel.
1: Yeah. One thing too that I find that sometimes we do, and maybe you guys will disagree with me, and if so, cool, that'll make this more fun. But I do feel like sometimes we, we loosen up on our restrictions on our guidelines around song singing. Like we kind of make exceptions for a lot of the songs. And so like, generally speaking, we wouldn't sing a song like Little Drummer Boy, you know, Uh, like that kind of song like that normally wouldn't really fit in our, it doesn't really say anything of, of much value. And yet we sing these songs and sometimes we kind of, I think we kind of make exceptions for the sake of nostalgia for the sake of what we're talking about. Well, because, oh, it's part of the season. So let's sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas in our worship gathering. Like, why not? And we kind of make exceptions that we wouldn't normally make for the sake of the season, for the sake of these things. And again, I just wonder about that. I go, is that good? Like, I don't know. I, I, and I don't want to be too stringy, but part of me goes, if we're making those kinds of exceptions, just because for nostalgia's sake... I think maybe we need to rethink that. Not that these things can't ever be sung, but I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
2: Actually, I think there's a great deal of merit in looking at how we lay out our songs during not just Christmas, not to just call the whole month of December uh, Christmas, but I think Advent plays an important part in teaching us why these carols were written, why these hymns were written, so that if you sing O Come Emmanuel, you get in touch with the longing not only of the people of God in the Old Testament who waited for Messiah, but for us today who await his return we're still broken here god we we know you've shown the healing mm. come fulfill it now and so i i think there's great merit in taking those weeks of advent at what they're talking about whether that is hope whether that is love, whether that is joy, whether that is the sense of peace. And, and different traditions, they, they mix around the dates and point it all, but it all comes down to the 24th and Christ, and, in which he fulfills everything, and He is everything needs to point towards him. Is there mm. hope? Yes, it's in Christ. Is there peace? Yes, it's in Christ, is there, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You, cetera. This is what we need to do. And so all of the songs we choose, be they Christmassy or just great songs of worship, should probably try to link on those themes. And, and I think we who choose songs can really help out our preaching pastors. We don't always have to be overly thematic in all we do. But this is a seasonal time where we can take those great songs and, and around such great, great narrative themes, we can choose them to, to sit in there. And I think it's good. There's so many songs we could choose in there. I, I think if it's a eh, not, not very solid one, well, just choose something better
1: yeah yeah absolutely. <laughs> Jody, um, I'm want to start with you in this next question. so let's let's speak to the worship leader and maybe the pastor now uh, there and you know it's early enough that maybe they're still planning their Christmas <laughs> Eve service. yeah uh, maybe. <laughs> um, I'll start with you and I'll throw it to you, Johnny, but Jody, what are some cautions that you would throw to a pastor or a worship leader or worship pastor in terms of planning a Christmas mm-hmm.
0: service? Yeah start early. So when this gets released, I don't know how many days or weeks. So, you know, if we'd had this conversation in October, early yeah. would have really been early. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if, if you're not early, maybe we should shelve this for, for a year. But yeah. starting early really helps because the pressure arises a lot. Probably like no other time of the year are we under pressure mm. for lots of different reasons. Uh, life is just busy. And these this is the busiest time for a worship leader, music director in a mm. church. Start early would be the first thing. And uh, I had to go away recently for a, about nine days and I had to get my Christmas planning done early. So I came back knowing that the services were planned in draft. Mm. And that's a big weight off my shoulders because there's there's a, a bunch of other things happening. Second thing I would say is it's already been said, but don't be novel. Uh, don't, don't create something that you don't need to create because as Johnny uh, said, the story is the story. We just have to tell it. Tell it simply, tell it well, tell it clearly. And then sometimes... I think part of the cautions are that we have an eye to the the church or the person down the street that's doing the big pageant and has been in rehearsal for four months. And sometimes there's a sense that we have to compete with those people or that production and resist that temptation to be bigger and better. And then finally, one thing that I've uh, really helped or been helped with is just delegation. Mm. I remember was uh so christmas you know you're planning your services you've got your sunday morning rehearsals and then the folks that are doing the advent readings they arrive at the same time as the worship team is just finishing up and i can't be both places at once Mm. and so there was a woman in our church who loved to organize uh and she loved to work with people and rehearse the mics and uh not too far rob from where you're standing that stuff happened and i was just just joyful to watch her do that and work with those people while I was she, finishing rehearsal. She
1: did that last weekend for me too, Jody. Well, there you go. High <laughs> five, man. High yeah. five. <laughs> that.
0: And so, you know, we can't do everything, but we can help uh, gift and delegate these tasks to people who love to do what they do. And then we're not uh, run five different directions at once.
1: Mm. Johnny, what do you think? What are some, you know, warnings, tips, advice that you'd give uh, pastors, worship leaders?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's all all of what Jody has said is really, really sound. I, I I think we've we've also mentioned just to keep the main thing the main thing, we we do need to lean into the story more and more and more as our society gets more biblically illiterate. Uh, And when you actually encounter people who don't know who Jesus is, you know, talking about a baby Jesus isn't going to make any difference. So I I, I like everything that Jody has said there. And and I think it, it emphasizes that when we're putting together services, team is really important. Uh, mm. harness the strengths of others who are really good and who are really passionate at helping in these things and the more you involve people the more the sense of family actually continues to build and you give people a wonderful outlet with which to serve their own church body and uh, to make a declaration uh, about Christ in our community and for them it's a wonderful opportunity if they have non-believing contacts at work or school or wherever they might be hey we're putting on this this service it's, it, it's really who we're about why don't you come to it and if if your life has been uh, an illustration of the gospel, the way you live it, uh, that's probably going to have some credibility. Well, well, let's go find out what you
1: really believe. What what makes this in you? So, mm. and maybe one thing I would also add to that is, you know, we want to invite people into this. We want to invite a lot of people into it, and it, it does help build that sense of family mm. when we're all gathering together and there's multiple people involved. But I would, I would, I would also encourage pastors to not overwork those people Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you know i think at times when we we want to put on the big production and we want to put on the big event we're not often thinking about all the volunteers you know and all the people who are giving up hours of rehearsal and practices and the more that i've grown as a worship leader the more i value Blessing my people and not being a burden on them, and I want to. I want to do things that are going to glorify Jesus. I want to do things that are going to proclaim the gospel. And so, yeah, we need to do some work and we need to put our uh, feet to the ground for a bit. But I also don't want people in a busy time of year to be exhausted. I want to give them headspace so that they can actually ponder and reflect and think about the implications of the gospel and enjoy these services. And so sometimes, like my vision for this big thing. Uh, comes at the expense. There's a lot of people under the wheels of the bus behind you to accomplish mm. that. And so I would say, you know, if people are first in pastoring and shepherding and leading your people well throughout the season and utilizing them well, then if if that's true, then I think we'll we'll avoid maybe some of these mistakes that we can fall into with overproduction and stuff like this.
2: That's a good word. I think that we we don't have to be afraid of keeping things a little simpler or in fact even if it's rough around the edges in presentation uh, we're not trying to compete with the the grandiose theater and the films that cost four four hundred million dollars yeah. you know we're, we're not doing that we're, we're doing in simplicity what we do because we're a family and, and and it takes me back to how the jewish families would celebrate passover they had a little Ooh. drama around the table and they recited their their passages everybody had a part but in doing that, it inserted them in the story, in the story, and they understood it from a, a visceral place, a real gut, gut kind of connection to it.
1: Mm, yeah, that's good. Well, guys, just as we close up, um, you know, a lot of worship leaders are looking for, you know, okay, I want to teach a new Christmas. Now, maybe it's a Christmas hymn that they have never done. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's like one of the classics, like Once in Royal David City, they've never sung it or something like that. But they're always looking for songs for Christmas. What, what maybe would you guys, what songs would you guys suggest? Um, maybe some new new ones or some old ones that you love. Like, let's maybe do a song you'd suggest that's kind of new. And maybe what's your favorite like Christmas carol that like, oh, you got to sing this. This has got to be in your Christmas Christmas services, uh, Jody. Let me let me start mm.
0: with you. Sure. Um, we've talked about this song before, but it was a song that came out two years ago, I think, just pre-COVID, maybe a year ago. But Paul Balash's song, "Behold Him," mm. and I love songs that are actually that work really well in the season of Advent, but that you don't have to shelve them. You can actually sing them as well mm. in mm-hmm. January as you can in December. And "Behold Him" is is one of these songs that really does tell the story of the coming of Christ, this mm-hmm. dying, and the beauty and the majesty and the worship that is calls for response Mm. Um, so if you haven't heard that song folks uh, check it out it's a great tune it's very simple and playable we've talked about that before on one of these episodes and um, there's a new Sovereign Grace song called Come uh, All You Unfaithful and it really is a song of invitation and I think it speaks particularly in Advent to the brokenness that we we bring to to our worship services as individuals we just stuff is not together we're hurting we're disappointed, and particularly in the season that we're finding ourselves in, mm. we feel like we just don't have it all together. And this is a song of, of invitation with an mm. interesting twist on, oh, come all ye faithful. Mm. Uh, the Sovereign Grace folks had the, the brilliant idea to write, hey, come if you're unfaithful, <laughs> and come if you're broken. And there's, a, there's room at the table, mm. and then there to find your hope in Jesus. And mm. um, I think my favorite Christmas carol would... Uh, I just love a Hark the Herald Angels Sing uh, mild his, he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Yeah. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Yeah. That's a good one. Johnny, what yeah, about that you? Was gonna, that was, that was going to be mine. Oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> no,
2: but that's okay. Uh, the, 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 the crazy story about that song uh, is that it was written originally, Wesley wrote it with the tune of Christ the Lord has risen today. Mm-hmm. And so he, that was his tune. So it, it really was, Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn king oh, wow. Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled So it's, it's fascinating to hear the, the development of some of these songs and hymns, the way they go. Uh, as far as new songs or new earth songs, um, my colleague used All Sons and Daughters, God With Us, for the first mm-hmm. weekend of Advent. And it was uh, off the reading. Of of o Come, Emmanuel, and and we await You, Lord. The God with us is, is a very powerful statement that we've mentioned earlier. Also, mm. uh, the Hillsong song "King of Kings" really is mm. a great, go- you know, wide gospel song that helps mm. us with the sense of the incarnation too. But I mean, uh, when I think of "Joy to the World," that is also such a fabulous yeah. song, and I, and I think it's it's a song that you really can only use in the season too. But when you look at the at the writing team of uh, Handel and uh, Isaac Watts, uh, I mean that's a couple of Hall of Famers right there that collaborated on that. Song. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. yeah. Uh, I think for me, well, you know, one of my new favorite songs is um, uh, "Sing Me the Song of Emmanuel" by um, the Gettys. And I think Matt Papa, Matt Boswell, those guys who wrote it, and that one's a great kind of song. Uh, they got a great bridge in there. One of my favorite other new one. Newer, it's older. There's a song called Here With Us by Joy Williams. Now I haven't really done it and Jason Ingram, I think. I haven't really done it in services, but I put that on the other day and I was like, oh man, this is such a great song, great melody. So if you haven't heard that one, check it out. For me, my favorite hymn, I think would be um, come thou long expectant Jesus. Mm, Like, mm. I just think, uh, we sung that on Sunday and actually my pastor was like, Oh, it's my favorite song. And then upon reflection of it, I'm like, yeah, that song has got some great lines, um, that just speak to the hope that we have of Christ's return, you know? And so again, like there's so many, but those are, those are some of them you know m- well,
2: mus- musically rob i just got to point out how difficult that melody is i mean if, if yeah. a young songwriter brought that to us oh,
1: if, yeah. you,
2: <a> <noise> oh, yeah. i mean we'd probably say know, yeah, go write something simpler that we can all yes. learn
1: <laughs> well i think of there's a few hymns that i that i think of oh, i can't remember the other one now but yeah yeah that, that <laughs> one definitely is more of a complicated melody but once you know it boy it's it's, it. it's second age and the lyrics are just so beautiful well it's amazing i was just going through how many minor keyed Christmas songs mm, there are you know there's yeah. a ton of them what child is this oh come oh come Emmanuel um, there's a bunch of these they start off on E minor you know and so I was kind was of learning about that going mm-hmm. oh wow there's an interesting little thing the Christmas carols love the minor keys it's interesting <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for being on this episode. And Johnny, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate you having you, having you it's on the been podcast. Joy. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you, listeners and watchers, for joining us. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Worship God Podcast. Bye for now.
0: Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.